Over the period of January, we tend to take time to do a bit of a topical series or a lot of individual topical sermons or just one-off sorts of things. Last year, we did a little mini-series called Promises That Propel, looking at some of the promises of God that inspire us and move us forward. So we'll have a few of those um, throughout January, and today is one of them. And the promise we're looking at is that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, uh, looking from that passage we just looked at. So we're going to open up uh, with prayer and ask God that he would speak to us through his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you can be called upon as our Father. You are the one who is worthy of all honour and praise. Lord, just to to know you, or even just to know of you, is more than we ever deserve. Uh, But we thank you that we can know you personally. We can be known by you. We can know forgiveness of sins. We can know all the joys of union with Christ. And we pray, as you have given us your word, that we might hear your word to us this morning, uh, that it might encourage us with what you have done for us, but even more than that, we might be encouraged by who you are, that we might recapture something by way of sense of awe and wonder of who you are. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. It's a new year. How about we start this year with a word of prophecy? Samuel Lindsay, (laughs) you have every spiritual blessing Any possible blessing that God could give to a human being, every possible spiritual blessing God could give to a human being, Samuel Lindsay has it. Wouldn't you love to be like Samuel Lindsay? Well, if you are in Christ, that is, if you are a Christian, if you have repented of your sin, you've recognised you needed a saviour, you have turned and ask Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you've turned to him as the Lord and Saviour of your life, you have, like Samuel, received every spiritual blessing. But when you hear that phrase, we probably feel a little bit uneasy about it because we hear it and then we think, but I don't feel like I've got every spiritual blessing Or you think, my life experience as a Christian doesn't look like someone who's got every single spiritual blessing. You might think, well, I know I've got some, but every spiritual blessing? Now, regardless of how you react to that claim, I think we'd all agree that if it was true, that that would be significantly life-changing. And my hope is that as we look at this promise this morning, that every single one who belongs to Christ would know that they do have every single spiritual blessing. And that would propel them forward and they would live accordingly in light of that wonderful truth. So as we look at spiritual blessings this morning, we're going to look at from who and how, what ones, what for, and then living as a fully blessed people. From who and how? This is probably the most important question of all of the questions that we look at this morning. From who do these blessings come from 
and how do we receive them? I mean, it's so easy to read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and hear, I've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. Hurrah for me. It's true, but I've got news for you. That's not the only thing verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1 says, nor is it the most important thing that Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says. Now, all of us are prone to have a tendency to read through the Bible and get to bits and think, what's in it for me? What do I get? I mean, there's no surprise. Everybody likes blessings, don't they? But without there being a blesser, there is no blessing. And I'd go so far as to say is the greatest blessing that you have, if you are a Christian, is God himself. And for that reason, I don't even like the title of the sermon that I gave it. Because it plays to our human nature of what's in it for me. I get every spiritual blessing. A true statement. But it's not the primary statement of that verse. Now, some of you might think, Ah, Steve... Psalm 103 doesn't say, and forget not all of his blessings. Yes, it does. But you know how people talk about selective hearing? We can do that sometimes when we read the Bible. We hear the bits that, what do I get? But Psalm 103 verse 2 starts like this. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. The forget not all of his benefits is secondary to bless the Lord, O my soul. It's no different in the passage that we've just had read. It doesn't just say you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. It starts with blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Neither Paul nor the psalmist starts with the perspective of what's in it for me. They both begin with a sense of awe and praise with God. Blessed, praiseworthy be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the word study book of the New Testament, in Greek it says this particular adjective, ending the way it does, makes the word to mean inherently worthy to be praised and is in all instances ascribed to God the Father and also to Christ for no one else is inherently worthy of such praise. Both the psalmist and Paul want to direct people's attention to the God who is worthy of all praise. That is the first and foremost thing. Find your joy, your wonder, You're all in him, not just what he can do for you. In fact, to seek the blessing without seeking the blesser, you'll probably find is frustrating, disappointing. It is the praiseworthy God and Father, the Lord Jesus, who gives us every blessing. And you'll notice as you read through Ephesians chapter 1, you see In Christ you have received this. In Christ is because of our union with Christ, made effective by his death 
and resurrection on our behalf. We've just finished a Christmas series we titled A Better Christmas and spoke of how we receive from the better giver, God, the better gift, which isn't just salvation, but it is Jesus himself. Our spiritual blessings come by means of our union with Christ. Or to use Paul's language in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, we are co-heirs with Christ. They are from God, they are through Christ, received by the indwelling Holy Spirit. All made effective because what Christ has done on the cross to deal with the offence of our sin, to reconcile us to God, resurrected, ascended, sent the Spirit, and we have received his blessings in Christ. But what ones? What ones did we receive? Now, I could just be cheeky and say, It says every spiritual blessing, how much clearer could it be? But that's not very helpful, is it? What would be helpful is to ask two different questions. One is, what does this not mean? As well as, what does this actually mean? Because I'm sure there are people who have come across this verse and interpret it to mean that through God, Christians have every single good thing in this world. That as a Christian, they're saying that you should expect to receive health, wealth and success, prosperity in everything you do. That's not what Paul is saying. In fact, I cannot understand why any thinking person could read the Bible and come to the conclusion that God has promised you that in Christ. Even Paul, who wrote of this promise... You look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll see all of the hardship that he endured as one who was a child of God who had also received every spiritual blessing. Even Jesus himself didn't have a glamorous, trouble-free life, didn't promise you a trouble-free life. He says, in this life, you will have trouble. He promised it. So if someone has told you the lie that if you come to Christ, you will receive every single material blessing, they have not represented the word of God faithfully. They have actually lied to you. And I've known so many people who get angry with Jesus because they believe they were promised they would receive every material blessing of wealth, health and success and their life doesn't go down that pathway. You don't get angry with Jesus for a promise that he never made to you. If somebody made that promise to you, then they should apologise for falsely making that promise to you. But the blessings that he has promised are far better. Every spiritual blessing. Somehow their slides have rearranged themselves or deleted one. It's gone. Second Peter one three says, His divine power has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called us to his own 
glory and excellence. In other words, every possible blessing that God could give to his children to live as a child of God in this life and to prepare them to meet him face to face, you have received the moment you trusted in Christ. Talk about riches in Christ, which is an expression, incidentally, that Paul uses over and over again. But that raises two questions in and of itself. If I have received every spiritual blessing, why does not the experience of my Christian life seem to match that sort of fullness? And also ask the question of, well, what are they? When it comes to that question of why does my Christian life not look like someone who has got every single spiritual blessing, allow me to give this example. If on Christmas Day I receive this 318-piece snap-on tool set, which I know Ian would love to receive, let's just set you back a, a measly $6,813. If I receive that present on Christmas Day, I would have that. It would be my possession. It is mine. But just because I have it does not mean that immediately the moment that I receive it, I have the ability to use it to its full potential. And those who know my handyman skills know that I would not be using it to its full potential. But my imperfect use of those tools does not say something about the quality of the tools. In the same sense, when my Christian life does not look like the fullness of the blessings is not the fault of the blessings that I have received. In both cases, it takes time and experience to learn what you have and how to use what you have. In the toolkit, you can see what you've got. You've got a screwdriver, You've got spanners, you've got doodars and thingy-jibbies. They're the technical terms. But what are all these spiritual blessings? Now, I'm not going to take time to list all of them. And to be honest, it would be extremely presumptuous on my behalf to think that I could list all of them. But I can say that Paul doesn't make this statement without providing some examples. From the perspective of Ephesians, you can see the whole spectrum of everything from chapter 1 where he talks about how we were chosen and redeemed right through chapter 3, verse 19, where he says, they pray that they'll be filled to the fullness of God. That's the spectrum. But we're going to look at seven specifics that he mentions just in Ephesians chapter 1. Firstly, in verse 4, he says, you were chosen before the foundation of the world. Now, I find it hard enough at times to think that the almighty God, creator of everything, would even think of me at all. Never mind having seen and known everything that I would be like, and yet would choose and would choose to, to bless me abundantly, knowing exactly what I was like. It brings him pleasure. It brings him glory to choose a people for himself. But it brings me a sense of joy and security because 
the one who knew everything I'd ever do, say, think, despite all that, chose me. There's nothing I'm going to do that's going to surprise him that he thinks, oops, shouldn't have chosen that one. We're chosen before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, we are adopted as sons. We're not just recipients of benefits. He has brought us into his family. Co-heirs with Christ, as Paul says in Romans eight seventeen. He has made us not just someone who he likes. He has brought us into his family, adopted as his own. Thirdly, in verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's what is the offence that separated from God was our sin. This term redemption meaning to, to pay the price to set someone free from slavery. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ paid the price for all of our sin, past, present and future. Paid in full. There will never be a charge that can be brought against those who belong to Christ that he has not paid for in full if you have placed your trust in him. Fourthly, in verse 9, he's made known to us the mystery of his will. By mystery, I don't mean he's got little secrets that he doesn't show some people. The way the Bible uses that term of something that was previously hidden that has now been made known. God had a plan for this world before he even created it. We see how he chose us in Christ before he even created the world. We see hints of that promise back even in Genesis chapter 3, throughout all of the Old Testament, that there was something better coming. Now in Ephesians, we have learned God's plan was centered on Christ even before he began to create he has made known to us the mystery of his will that people like Moses and Abraham longed to see. And Paul also tells us in Romans 12 too, as we continue in the renewing of our mind that we will discern the good and perfect will of God. The fifth point from verses 13 and 14, we are sealed and guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. As in we are sealed like his royal seal. We are marked as his precious possession. And secured by his sealing. And guaranteed by the Spirit. Or some translations have given the the Spirit as a deposit. Sort of like when you're buying a house and you put a deposit as a way of saying, this one, this one I want. But unlike the situation with real estate... That deposit never comes to nothing as a result of finances not being available. Some say the infinite God somehow thinks, oops, haven't got enough. It doesn't fall apart on a building and pest inspection, which is good because building and pest inspection of this one wouldn't go real good. We are sealed and guaranteed by his spirit. The sixth one, we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, verse 17. The Bible sometimes can seem tricky, difficult to understand. And we want to know what the God's word has to say to us because we're told that his word has been given to us that we might be complete and equipped for every good work. 
And by the spirit that he's placed within us, he has given us wisdom to understand his revelation given to us. The seventh and last of the ones that I'm particularly going to point on, from verses 19 to 20, that we might know the greatness of his power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I don't know if this is just my personality, of being someone who's very well aware of all of my failures, but this is one where I really go, I need this. Because I know in my own ability how much I will fail every single time. If it was possible for humans to please God by their own strength, they would, but no one can. So often it's easy to look at other Christians and think, man, I fall so short compared to them. I'm nothing like that. I could never become like that. Or we read something about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and think, too hard, I couldn't do that. The very spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you. I remember when I first came to trust in Christ, there were some things that I never thought that I would change. There were some things I didn't even think I was, I was going to be willing to change. But the power of the spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells within me is transforming as he is in all of his children. That's seven things. Amazing things. And that's not even a comprehensive list. Every spiritual gift that God could give to a human being, sorry, every spiritual blessing, let's be careful with my wording there, you have in Christ. But when somebody gives something to someone, there's usually a reason. Now, often when you open up your presents on Christmas morning, there's sometimes you open up and you go, What on earth is this for? Why would someone give me this? God does not give needless gifts to his children. He has purpose. And I'm going to look at three of them this morning. Firstly, in verse 4, that he's blessed with every spiritual blessing, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Elsewhere in Romans chapter 8, he says, he predestined us, to be conformed to the image of his son. He chose in advance that he would change us to become more and more like Jesus in holiness. Now the moment we come to trust in Christ, our status, we are declared holy and blameless in the sight of God. That's not where it ends. He is at work actually transforming our character and our life to make us more and more like Jesus. In this life, he's preparing us for him. He's given us blessings that we might be holy and blameless before him. But I don't know how it is. Sometimes we kick ourselves at our lack of progress. We wonder what's going on. It's like, God, I've brought this before you in prayer for the last day for two years. Where's the progress? He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in order that he might transform us to become more and more holy and blameless in his sight. That's not something insignificant. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, 14 says, Without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. 
Secondly, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing because it's according to the good pleasure of his purposes in verse 5. Now, depending on your translation, your ESV might just have, have according to his purpose, but it translates a word meaning to please. It actually brings him joy in his purposes to bless you with every spiritual blessing. His purposes bring him joy He delights in it. And at the centre of that plan is verse 10, to unite all things under Christ. Third reason why he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, which is repeated three times, so it must be important. Verses 6, 12 and 14, for the praise of his glory. Sounds pretty Christianese, doesn't it? For the praise of his glory. Now, we understand praise. We use that all the time. For the praise of his glory. If he's going to say three times, this is part of why he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, it's kind of important that we understand. God's glory is the revealing of who he is. His attributes, his character, his identity, his nature, and all that he does. The primary reason, Paul says, why we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing is not purely only for our benefit and our enjoyment, even though it does benefit us, we do enjoy it, but that it might be for the magnificent display and praise for God, his character, his nature and all of his actions in this world in which we live in. This is what we exist for, not just to receive his benefits. So if we receive every spiritual blessing, how should we live as a fully blessed people? Well, first and foremost, we should live as a people of praise whose lives proclaim, blessed be the Lord God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, not blessed am I. He is worthy of all praise. The moment we separate him from the blessing, there is no blessing. He is the giver of all of the blessings. It is in our union with Christ that we receive every spiritual blessing. And part of his praiseworthy character is he's pleased to give us every spiritual blessing. So if you were in Christ, you have been given every blessing that God can give to a human being that you need to live as a child of God in this life and to prepare you for the next. There aren't some people who are super spiritual who've got more spiritual blessings than you have got. There's no no criteria system whether you're a particular gender or a particular race, particular background, socio status. We all come before God with the same status initially of sinners. We all enter into the same salvation as one another when we come to trust in Christ, receive the exact same every spiritual blessing as every other child of God who is in Christ before us. But sometimes we'll look around and we'll get frustrated because we think, look at that person there. They're they're so much further ahead than I am. Why aren't I up where they are? Take that as an opportunity to say, thanks be to God 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ and who is leading me along that same path. That I might not only be where that person is, that he might take me beyond even that as he works according to his good pleasure in my life. At times it seems hard to live as a Christian. But you have every spiritual blessing. You have the spirit of God dwelling within you that raised Christ from the dead. So next time we're discouraged because failed, haven't lived the way in which we wanted to live, rather than getting beat up about it, God, I thank you that you have given me every spiritual blessing. Lord, grant me the wisdom to take what you have already made available to me and to apply it in a way to the praise of your glory. Brothers and sisters, there's not a single one of you who are in Christ who is ill-equipped to live the Christian life. All of you, I don't need to ask you questions. If you are in Christ, you have received every spiritual blessing from the God of all praise to grow you in Christ-likeness according to his good pleasure of his purposes and to the praise of his glory. Let's give him thanks in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the one who is worthy of all praise. You alone are the one to whom all thanks, all praise, you are worthy of all of it. And even more than we could ever offer. But we can't fathom it, but we thank you that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not because we deserve it, but because it brings you joy. It was part of your, the purpose of your good pleasure. Lord, we pray that we might know what you have blessed us with. That, that we might take hold and use what you have blessed us with. To the praise of your glory. To encourage one another in Christ to to see you more clearly. But also to proclaim you to a people who do not yet know you as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to move to a time around the Lord's table in communion. Where we remember symbolically what Christ has done to bring us into right relationship with God.